in the history, when this list was put together by Prudentius and then approved by Gregorian I, the Pope, slaughter was one of the most uh, deadly sins. And when a monk was uh, called to the ministry, he was also supposed to do something to support his life. So being uh, filled with slothfulness was a, a very dramatic condition that will uh, jeopardize the continuation of the ministry in the monastery. Today, we associate sloth maybe with lessness. And we think, what's wrong with that if we maybe uh, indulge in uh, some extra rest? Can be this added as a very deadly sin in our lives? Uh, I want you to know that this can be deadly because it's more than lessness. Actually, uh, St. Thomas of Aquinas called that the sadness of the soul, more than laziness. So this morning we'll be reading from um, uh, an interesting passage, uh, the parable of the talents, and we'll discover what Jesus' teaching was on this uh, parable. We discover three men that received money entrusted by the master while he was living for a long trip. And all these three servants received something according to their own skills and business and abilities. One received five, one received two, and the other one received one talent. While the first two, they were able to trade and duplicate what they received and invested their time and the energy in bringing some profit to the master, the third one was not able to do that because his attitude and his stewardship towards what was entrusted was not really something that we could admire. But before we read this passage, I would like to pray. Father God, we come before your presence and already you have helped us to overcome sloth this morning by rousing us from our beds and calling us here to worship you. Oh, Father, now we pray that as we listen to your word, your Holy Spirit would uh, inhabit us so that we might know true life in Christ. Raise us to understand your word as we prepare to meet you today at your table. Through Jesus Christ, who is the way and the life and the truth, we come to you and for your glory we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 25, verse 24. This parable is included in the speech of the sermon or the teaching that Jesus is doing concerning the end of the time. So try to associate this parable with the importance of the end of time when Jesus will come back and we should be fined not in a slothful attitude, but in an attitude of a being active in the kingdom of God. So verse 24 says, He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hide your talent in the ground. 
Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you have to have invested my money with the bankers. It, at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to one who has will more be given, and he will have as an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Until here, the scripture. So let me introduce this saying that slot is the most misunderstood of all deadly sins. And again, when we consider deadly sins, we have some kind of difficulty to think about sloth as a deadly sin. Especially in a digital age. I have this picture of a man glued to this couch, uh, watching the TV on Netflix, or staying before the uh, screen of a computer and uh, uh, being connected with the web, or a young teenager uh, that as he's studying, maybe is paying more attention to Instagram or other social media that are today. Sloth evokes in our hearts also some kind of disengagement from the things of God. You know, the roots of the sin of sloth are spiritual, not just physical. There is a spiritual attitude. It's a spiritual misery. And in the Christian tradition, again, sloth refers to something far more than mere laziness. Try to picture that. We are laborers in the kingdom of God. God is giving us the privilege to work in his kingdom. It's not just a responsibility, but it's a privilege that we have to be part of somebody that is the creator of all universe. So I want you to know that when we disengage from the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we disengage ourselves from the life of the church of Jesus Christ, We are disengaging ourselves from the privilege to serve the living God. And that's why it's more than laziness. It's a spiritual disease. Sloth is a sin of omission. Of lack of performance in the kingdom of God. Somebody described this sin as knowing the right thing to do and failing to do it. So you know what is right. And you don't do it. So this morning, I will share with you three points of reflection that will help us to overcome the simple attitude of slothfulness. So the first is that talents stewardship is more important than quantity. You see, the three servants were judged to, for the stewardship, the way that they managed what was entrusted to them. They were not judged because of the quantity of money that they received. They were judged because the way that they managed the money. And sometimes we need to reflect on this, that maybe we disengage from being active in the kingdom of God because we think that we receive less than other people. But the text says very clear 
that they receive based on their abilities. So when God is giving different gifts and talents to his people, it's because he knows the heart. He knows the, what they can bear it. And if you are not able, and God should give you something that is greater than what you can do it and take it, you will fail miserably. So this man that received only one talent, received the right gift, the right talent. You see, this lawful servant lost what he had because of his lack of effort. And the risk, my brothers and sisters, is that we focus so much on what we don't receive from God, that we forget to work for what we receive from God. It makes sense what I say to you? So we are looking at that gift that we don't have, and we forget to trade and to bring fruit for what God has given to us. So maybe we think, oh, I wish I could have the gift of prayer. And maybe we are not trading the gift of hospitality that the Lord has bestowed to us. So we are looking for something that we don't have instead to trade what we have. Again, stewardship is more important than the quantity of the gift that you receive. And again, sloth is failing to take advantage of God-given opportunities and abilities. You know, it was sloth and not restricted capital or limited quantity of money that stopped that servant to bring fruit for his master. And my brothers and sisters, let's close the door to that temptation to think that because we don't have the right gift, we cannot be active in the kingdom of God. All of us are gifted all of us are being given something from God. You see, that person received 10, another received 2, another received 1, but all of them receive a talent. And I want you to pay attention to this. If you are regenerated by the blood of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and forgiven by His grace, you have something in your heart that God has given to you to be active and to bring fruit for the glory of God. Again, is the condition of a stewardship, being stewards that will change the result as we trust God. You see, because of his apathy, his indifference, and his laziness, the servant lost probably the best opportunity to improve his life. And you know, I believe that if you look at the parable, we discover very clearly that those who could trade receive a reward for what they have done. And I'm telling you this, as you are faithful in what was entrusted to you by the Lord, and you mature in God, you will receive a reward, and you will experience a growth in your life. Many times we are not growing spiritually, because we are not being faithful to the Lord. So he cannot reward us. And again, if uh, I'm not, unfortunately maybe, <laughs> not a, a, a gym guy. You can say that, you know. You know. <laughs> but you know, if you exercise a muscle, 
the muscle will increase in volume and strength and power, right? Somebody that goes to the gym can confirm that, right? So more you exercise, more strength you get. It's the same with our talents and, and the presence of God in us. More we trade, more we exercise doing things for God, stronger our faith will become. And we allow God to give us more. Once your muscles are the right mass and the right strength, you are able to lift a higher volume of weight, right? Can you imagine if I, I'm giving to lift 200 pounds when I'm not able to lift 50 pounds? But if I'm gradually and constantly exercising, I will be able eventually to lift the 200 pounds. It's the same with our life in God, in Christ. As we trade our talents, as we trade what God has been entrusting us, we'll be able to grow and we'll be increasing in our commitment to the Lord. So stewardship is more important than quantity. And this morning, maybe some of you, some of us this morning, me included, can maybe struggle with the thought, I'm not so good as the brother. I'm not so gifted as the sister. Please, open your eyes. Search your heart. And ask God to reveal clearly to you that you have been received, you have been gifted with something that is unique to your soul, to your skills, to your abilities. And once you discover that, trade it. Bring glory to God. Bring glory to God. I always remember this sister where I grew up in my own church. Uh, I remember when I came to the Lord, I went to talk with the pastor that happened to be my father. And I said, Dad, I want to truly help. I don't want to be just a user worm person. And my father said, go and help this sister. Stephanie was her name. And I remember she was not able to read, um, not educated, short lady, curved by the age that she had. And I said, sister, I'm here to help you. Whatever you ask me to do it, I will do it. And she said, little brother. That's their expression. No matter what, <laughs> the age, a little brother. This is the only way that I can serve the Lord in the church. If you come and steal from me the privilege, what I will do after? It was the greatest lesson that I learned in humility and service. And I believe that she will receive one day a big crown for her faithfulness. She cleaned the house of God, the church, for so many years until a week before she died. Years of faithfulness. And a commitment to the task. And I'm encouraging all of us with this story. Because among ourselves even here. I see people that have been serving the Lord with faithfulness. Through the years. Trading what God has given to them. Let's learn from them. If you are a young Christian. Let's learn from those who have run the race faithfully. And have been Able to bring glory to God and fruit for his name. So stewardship is more important than quantity. And then the second point I want to share with you is God's given talents 
when we consider that, use them or lose them. If you are not using them, they will be removed from you. I want you to understand that though we are called by the Lord to, and given the privilege to serve, if we are not fulfilling the purpose of bring glory to His name and advance the kingdom of God, somebody else will trade those gifts. Somebody else. Sloth is the desire for a, a riskless, easy life, even at the expense of doing what should be done. Sloth is the avoidance of physical or spiritual work. Yet growth comes with crossing the boundaries of our comfort zone. It means commitment. It means dedication. And you know, the slothful person is unwilling to put forth the necessary effort to achieve transformation and spiritual growth. I can't do it, Pastor. I don't have time. I'm too busy. And I understand that you can be busy. But all of us can fill our agenda with so many busy activities. The problem is which priority we are giving to our commitment to serve God. Which priority we are giving to trade what we receive from the Lord. Which priority we are giving to bring glory to God. You see, unfortunately, this unfaithful servant is not the only one to behave in such a way. It's not the only one. Too many churchgoers today, in North America especially, or in Europe are embracing that attitude. My life is already filled. My agenda is already filled with so many commitments. And again, brothers and sisters, the scope of the, the purpose of, of this series is not bring guilt to you. It's to lift you up, to encourage you to taste the goodness of God and that you may experience a a growth in your spiritual journey with God. In your spiritual walk with God. Our desire is to lift you up. So you can be able to bring glory to God. And being rewarded for what you have done in His kingdom. Following Jesus requires total and daily surrender and dedication to His kingdom. I will deceive you if I say to you, if I will preach from this pulpit, that following Jesus is always easy. It's not. It's not. Yesterday I was at a prayer meeting with some other pastors of the area. I was not willing to be there. I have to be honest with you. Even this morning I went up and I said to my wife, I don't know, I feel so... Heavy in my spirit this morning. I almost call off. But you know what? Lord, I cannot do this. I don't want to give the victory to the enemy. I have a, something to do. I have to surrender to you, O Lord. I have to surrender to you. And while we're singing those songs, what a deliverance came in my spirit. Jesus is all I need. You know, many times I sang the song. Without thinking the words. And when you see those words on the screen and you receive it, wondering, 
God, are you really everything to me this morning? Are you everything that I long for? That when peace came. It was the moment that you recognize that surrendering, that giving up everything to him and he said, Lord, take over. That you experience that desire to serve him more. God is so faithful. Again, I will deceive you saying that serving God is something that has no cost. No, serving God has a really high cost in our lives. It takes a lot of energy. By following Jesus, we need to exercise our work and discipline. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Follow me. And again, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul understood that without submitting his body, his heart, his mind to God, he can be disqualified after preaching to other people. That's the risk that we have when we allow the slothfulness to abide and take over my heart, your heart. Stasis is impossible with Christ. We cannot stay at the same point. I like what, uh, uh, what this man of God say, Bernard of uh, Clairvaux. Observe that people who do not progress in the spiritual life, they regress. Go away from the illusion that you, if you are not growing and you are staying in the same place, you are safe. No, you are not. You are regressing. You are going backward. Less zeal for God. Less desire to serve God. We must move on. We must discipline our life. What I'm talking about here is the desire to do something. And it's not just going out of your comfort zone. But it's trusting the power of God in your life. And believing that you carry the power of the Holy Spirit within your heart. That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God's Spirit dwells in you. Inhabited your heart. And this is not do something to tempt God. If I know that I put in my hand over the fire. I say, oh, I will put my hand on the fire. God will preserve my hand to be burned. That's more than faith. is stupidity. You agree with me, right? You are tempting God to do something that doesn't make sense. I'm not talking about that type of Christianity. I'm talking about confidence in God and being sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life. And allowed Him to take over. You see, Peter walked on water because he took the risk to come out of the boat after Jesus said, Come, Peter. He obeyed. His faith was based on the word of Jesus. And faith that is not tempting God is based on the power of the word of Christ. At the moment that Peter removed 
aside from the words of Jesus and the person of Jesus, it starts to going down. This is what happened to our lives. The cause of his drowning wasn't because he got out of the boat, but because he removed his sight from Jesus and his word. And many times, brothers and sisters, we fell in a Christian walk and we don't see the things of God happen because we remove our sight from the things of God. And we think we can achieve our own strength. And we look at the impossibility of something to happen. And we look at that this is, it will be impossible. This person will never come to the Lord. This situation will never change. My relationship with my children will never change. And we look and we magnify the problem and we minimize the things of God. And we walk in defeat. And we are deceived by the enemy. And we disengage ourselves from faith. We disengage and we lose the expectations that God can work through us and through the church. And this morning I pray that the Holy Spirit will rebuke that thought in our lives. And we live in the expectations that God can do something with us. Because if you are here, if you are being called to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Then God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for my life. And I want to rebuke the thought of the enemy that tried to let me focus on the water, on the agitated water, and remove my sight from Jesus Christ who was walking in the water and has the power to call me out of the boat. So, my brothers and sisters, slothfulness leads to a meaningless life. While diligence leads to a purposefully life. If slothfulness minimizes our potential, then we must overcome it being diligent. Diligence. There are many verses in the Bible to, to be diligent in the things of God. And today we are celebrating communion. It's the first Sunday of the month. We have a communion table set for us. Later on, Pastor Ryan will come and lead us in the communion. But Jesus is the perfect example for us. He never gave time, or even for a million seconds, to an apathetic attitude in his heart. More than one time, I say, like in John 4.34, when he says to his own, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That was the attitude of Jesus. To accomplish the work that God gave me. To do his will. First, he was clear in what was the will of the Father for him. Second, he was uh, sure what was the kind of work that he was supposed to do. And I'm telling you something. Jesus was so determined because he discovered that this was the only way to fulfill the will of the Father. In the Last Supper, he mentioned these words, I greatly desire to be with you tonight. Why? He was willing to do the will of the Father and to fulfill it. Let's learn from Jesus. If God calls you and entrusts you with something... Is because you are the only person that moment that I can do the work that is calling you to do. Jesus 
was giving testimony of that. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, one of the most beautiful passages that describes the ministry of Jesus. Peter is saying, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with them. What a great testimony. For God was with them. And I believe, my brothers and sisters, that if God is giving talents and gifts, is giving us those gifts because he sees in us the potential to do it. Remember at the beginning of the parable, everyone received according to their abilities. And when God is calling you and me, is giving us the purpose and the equipment to do whatever is necessary. So let's embrace it. Let's be described. I wish my life I could reflect what Peter says about Jesus, said about Jesus. For God was with him. For God was with Fairview Alliance Church as we are doing the work. That's the amazing truth that we have, my brothers and sisters. If you are not using it, God will call somebody else to do the work. At the end, what a terrible thing happened to this man. He was removed from what he had received. I want to just give you an example. Remember King Saul. He was the man that the Israelites chose for themselves. But he was not faithful to God. God says, I will remove you from the throne of, of my people. And I will give you my throne to David. If we are not consecrating and trading our life in doing and being good stewards of God's giving talents to us, God's purpose will not be stopped by your apathy, by my apathy. A spiritual indifference. He will call somebody else to do what we want to do. And then finding excuse leads to deception. This is my third point. Finding excuse leads to deception. You see, the servant was justifying his slothfulness by convincing himself that the problem was not his character or his attitude, it was the hard heart of the master. The master was too severe. His demands were too unreasonable. And then he justified the fact that he didn't do anything for him. How many times we justify our indifference with the things of God? Because we justify that serving God is too straight, too severe, too difficult, too impossible. How many times we give that justification? God, I cannot do it. But you know, Jesus' parable unmasks the attitude of the heart of this person. Very clear. The master demands no more of each servant than each servant is able to give. Look, it's not accusing him for lack of trading the talents that he received. The master would have gladly accepted even the interest if just the servant will bring that money to the bank. Nothing more than that. 
sloth produce a low level of interest when it comes to enjoy the good things that God has given to us as an opportunity to be blessed in his relationship with us. You see, when we surrender to sloth, we lose our fire, we lose our zeal, we lose our boldness, and we realize more and more that we are unable to do the things that God is calling us to do. You see, the master's judgment was above the manipulation of the servant. He tried to manipulate the, the master. But let me tell you something, brothers. As much you and I will try to manipulate God, God is above us. Self-pity doesn't touch the heart of God. Humility touches the heart of God. When you say, Lord, I'm broken before you. I'm not able to do it, but I'm broken, but I trust you. Come and help my unbelief. Remember, this was the prayer of the Father when he came to Jesus. I believe, Lord, but please come and help my unbelief. May this be the prayer that we have in our hearts. You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 explain what is the disposition that a good steward should have before God. He says, this is how one should regard us, a servant of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. It's an amazing testimony that Paul is giving. Don't look at us as a giant in the faith or spiritual champions. But as a servant of Christ. As a people that embrace the cross of Jesus Christ. And are managing the cross to others. Paul is not speaking about the prosperity blessing. Promised by many preachers today. In an easy life of never being sick. Or never being lacking of something. He say. I'm a servant of Christ. My stewardship consists in managing the cross of Jesus. In bringing to you the message. Because the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to change and transform lives. You see, that's the attitude that we should have. Then let me close with this question. In the final applications, how do you overcome the sin of sloth? I put a, an answer to this question with one Bible verses in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. And this was the second test of the sermon. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Let's look at the first exhortation. Do not be slothful in zeal. My brothers and sisters, if it's something that I, I will challenge you today is to be unashamedly, enthusiastically convinced of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Live with the expectations that God can do greater and mighty things through you. Be fervent. Do not be slothful in zeal. Don't let naysayers drag you down. Don't let them overcome your 
fervency. Be enthusiastic about moving on towards the blessing of God to be used by the Lord. Look forward to that. Do not hold back. Don't be slothful in zeal. Then the second is be fervent in his spirit. I love the word fervent. It comes from the Latin. Fervere. It means boiling. Being zealous means be on fire for God. Do I talk to myself this morning? <laughs> I'm the only one to be enthusiastically at this exhortation. Be on fire. You know, in order to be fervent in spirit, the Holy Spirit has to set you on fire. It's the Holy Spirit in us. You see, God is not asking you to produce that kind of fire for Him. It's the Holy Spirit that is in you that will burn your heart and consume your heart to do something for God. Remember Phineas in the Old Testament. He saw the sickness of the sinful nature of the people of Israel. And the zeal for the Lord consumed his heart. Oh, David, when he say that he was consumed by the zeal of the house of God. This fire lives in us. God is calling you and us as a church, me as a, a pastor, to fan into flame the life-giving of the fire of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And I pray that we'll be fervent. And then the last thing, serving the Lord. And this last exhortation describes the focus of our service. With all respect, it's not for me. And I'm not serving God for you. I'm serving God for Him. And you should serve the Lord as the focus of your ministry. Because if we serve for the pastor, if we serve for the church, where we have members and everything, sooner or later we'll be greatly disappointed. Because we are not perfect. In the church there is no perfect people. I'm sorry to say, but I'm not apologetic on that. No one of us is perfect. We struggle with our imperfection. But when we focus our service on Jesus Christ, we know that He is faithful. He is faithful. I like the Apostle Paul when he writes it to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. He says, whatever you do, work heartily with diligence in your heart. Ask for the Lord and not for man. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I like the initial sentence. Whatever you do. And again, you don't need to be a pastor to serve the Lord with fervent and zeal. Focusing on Him. If you are a nurse, give your best. That people will know that you are serving their God. If you are a student, give your best. So students will know that you will serve God. If you are housekeeping, give your best. To know that the other members of the family, they know that you are serving God. Whatever is your life, whatever you do. Serving God heartily. Heartily. I pray this morning that this will be not another message. But the message. That will feel comfortable to fulfill. Can we all stand before we take the communion?
let's pray. Almighty God, you know us, O oh Father, inside out. You call on us to love and to serve you with all our heart. Yet we confess that we are often indifferent and apathetic. Preferring to put our lives like in a cruise control, oh God. And we miss the time that you are calling us to follow your Holy Spirit. Father God, this morning, teach us how to love you totally. And how to serve you passionately with zeal and fervency. Father God, we pray for those who would work but cannot find employment. We pray for those who are looking forward to form a family. And maybe at the moment they are frustrated because they can't. Oh Father, I pray. Then whatever we do, as Paul mentioned to the Colossians, we bring glory to your name. May this be our attitude, other God. May this be our desire of our heart. I pray, O oh Lord, that you will take us to the level of maturity that you envision and your purpose and your plan. We submit to you, O oh Father. And as we prepare to be part of the communion table, may Holy Spirit continue to lead us in this service. For your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.